So I think we started this little project with the same kind of goal as Trek about where it was, you know, we had the Star Wars series and we wanted to get to actually know it, know it as a cultural phenomenon and all of that. Sure. Um, now with Trek about, I was not a Trekkie and I think I am becoming or have become one. I've very much gotten to appreciate it and it was a very good way of, you know, learning about Star Trek and growing to love the series. I feel with Star Wars, I appreciate the series less now that we've done this, actually. Okay. I hadn't seen the prequels before this, and I there's a degree to which I wish I hadn't. Um, They're not good. No, and, and I had a – I mean, to a degree, it's you know destroying something by analyzing it, but I mean, Star Wars had this kind of – I don't know. Star Wars, the original Star Wars, has has a very soft place in my heart, um, and I feel that everything else around it cheapens it. Well, number one, I think if you have a soft spot in your heart, you should probably go see a cardiologist. Uh, number two— No, it's hardening of the heart that's bad. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, you know, it's interesting because watching Revenge of the Sith, I was struck by something, which is that it kind of retroactively makes me hate Star Wars. Yeah. And, you know— Yes, you can overanalyze something, and we definitely... I don't think we overanalyze. I think that we analyze no. just, just correctly, um, because we are wonderful. But, but I mean, and again, I'll say that doing that for Star Trek has, has caused me well, to appreciate the nuances of it. Well, the problem is that, you know, with the original trilogy that we talked about a few weeks ago, I think that, you know... I don't think we talked a lot about plot. I don't think we talked a lot about themes. I think that, you know, we we, we discussed and, and kind of dissected the movies as movies. We talked about them as works of art, but I don't think that we really got into a lot of, um, you know, plot mechanics or anything like that. With the prequel trilogy with Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, and Revenge of the Sith now, which we're talking about this week, there really is nothing else to talk about because they are just... There are no characters. There, there's no characters. There's no structure to the story. The direction is, you know, unremarkable when it's when it's you know fine. And there's really nothing to talk about except for uh, how how bad the, the the script is and how bad the 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 prequels treat the the Star Wars universe. Yeah. And you know, it's not that Revenge of the Sith is is a bad movie. I actually would say that it's 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 the best prequel movie. I think. Yeah, and I would agree with that. But the problem with it is that it's too little, too late. Like, and it's also too goddamn long too. It's another one that if it had been trimmed by a half hour. But anyway, that's well, the, that's you know, that's that, the kind of general. Pro- when I saw, it, I'm like, why the fuck is this two hours and twenty minutes? It's, yeah, it's definitely way too long. And I think you know part of the part of the interesting thing with Revenge of the Sith is that you know. As I understand it, George Lucas was sort of reacting to a lot of the the criticisms of of the first two, and and really made this a tight story about Anakin. But at the same time, it's not a tight story about Anakin yeah. because the last half of it is. But there's and the last no half is good. The last half is actually pretty good. But the problem with it really is that the first half just kind of feels like bad fan fiction, and it's explaining things we don't care about. You know, think think back to the original trilogy. You know. Yes, there was the Empire, there was there was the Rebel Alliance, there was this whole galactic conflict yeah. going on. But we only saw, you know, the broad sketches of it. It didn't really matter all that much because what the sh- what the movies were really about were these characters and and telling an interesting adventure story with these characters. Yeah, everything is archetypal. The Empire is the Empire. The Rebels, you know, the good guys. It, they could be la- literally labeled the good guys and the bad guys and it would be the same movie. Exactly. And and the problem with the prequel trilogy is that it, it confuses it confuses that and it, George Lucas is trying to explain 
the the world and the government and all of this stuff. And that's not the point of Star Wars. No one cares. I mean, I, well, I don't want to say no one cares. I'm sure that there are a lot of people out there that care. But that's what the novels are for. That's what comic books are for. Well, you know, if you, know, you this... want to know how Emperor Palpatine became Emperor Palpatine, if you want to know how the Republic became the Empire, if you want to, like, all that stuff is fine if you want to know that stuff, but that's all, that's better treated in, in a supplementary but, material. On the other hand, though, you know, yes, the, these movies are very inside baseball to a very real degree. I think that's uh, kind of the feeling we have of it, but... You know, there are people who do want to see that on the big screen. I guess it's just... Yeah, there are people that want to see that on the big screen, but at the same time, there there are people that want to see a lot of things on the big screen, and frankly, I don't care. I mean, Yeah, like, but it, so, I mean, this movie... It's weird, this because this movie was... We can, I feel like we can't just say this movie was not for us, you know? There is an audience for this movie. We are not part of it because that's, that's fair no, to say. No, because Star Wars fans don't like these movies. And so if Star Wars fans – or a lot of Star Wars fans don't like these movies, and if no one else likes these movies, who are these movies made for? I think that's if it's for George Lucas. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, George Lucas certainly made a lot of money with these, and I think that's fantastic. I, I, I'm glad that he bought San Francisco or whatever the hell he did with his money. You know, but but that's it's not – it's a, it's a huge – vanity project i mean we said that the you said that attack of the clones was pretentious well yeah this is a vanity project this is george lucas making his you know dumb dream thing that he is uh, 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 and he's given the license into budget to do it but he's not very good at it but again you know he had so many years to to come up with a story that made sense and you know a perfect example of this i think is is general grievous in this movie yes who is that yeah like, now it's it's like you know <laughs> He's apparently treated in that uh, the Clone Wars series. But who series cares? Or well, that's it. That's it's, my it's, point. It's, it's like, like, you know, one of the things we had talked about with the uh, original trilogy was, you know, I think we liked how in Empire Strikes Back and The Return of the Jedi um, – there wasn't really that much establishing going on, you know, again, because let's cut the bullshit. Everybody's seen Star Wars at this point, you know, if you're watching Empire Strikes Back. You know. But on the other hand, everything was so archetypal that there wasn't a ton to explain, you know. You need to explain that, you know, Leia's a rebellion leader, you know, Luke's a callow youth who's, you know, learning the Force, and Han Solo's the rebel, and Darth Vader is evil. That's about all you need to establish yeah. at the beginning of uh, Empire Strikes Back, and... So it's very quickly picked up, and so it doesn't it, – it, it more feels like it's, okay, we're getting right into the story. Where here it feels like there was a ton of story missing because General Grievous, he's an android. He's a robot who's coughing, and he seems to have biological parts, and they've been fighting him, and he's obviously been weakened somehow. I You know, there is a lot to his backstory, and I don't want to watch the fucking Clone Wars show to find out what that is. Um, yeah, who wants to watch that? I mean, and, I don't and know. And so he's not really an effective villain because, I don't know, he's just this weird cipher that's not – and the cipher thing isn't interesting enough. I'm not curious and, enough about the mystery. Well, and the problem is too, I think that, that General Grievous is, is probably one of the more striking characters in, in the prequel trilogy. I mean – In terms of design, yes, the way the – you know, that bit where he has the four lightsabers, you and, know, it's it's a very stark image when he's skittering around, sure. But I think that, that, you know, Revenge of the Sith does a good job of making the characters actually feel like people to a large degree that, that Attack of the Clones and Phantom Menace did not. And I don't know if that's because, you know... Um, 
uh, uh, the actors were getting more comfortable with green screen because I doubt that George Lucas suddenly became very interested in directing actors yeah. in the third movie. So I think that there's some of that that works yeah, better. Yeah, technology got better to where they could interact with it more effectively. I don't think that's true. But, um, you know, I think that, that, that the, the, the problem with Revenge of the Sith really is that, you know, and I think that General Grievous is a perfect example of that, where... It's focusing on the wrong things. And, you know, the original Star Wars trilogy did this stuff, too. I mean, like, you had characters come in and out that that were never really explained, but it didn't really matter because you you kind of had a sense of who they were very quickly, and they were only in a couple of yeah. scenes. Whereas this feels like you're missing something because yeah. everyone knows who this is. This like the I think, actually, it's really interesting because, you know, if you talk about, um, like, uh, the, the fish guy, uh, Admiral Akbar from yeah. Return of the Jedi or whatever the hell he is, and Mon Mothma, these characters don't have names in those movies. Like, and so I think that once you no. name a character, that's a very strong indication that we should know who this is. And I think that if they had not I mean, given General Grievous a name, I think it probably would have worked <laughs> a little better because it just would have seemed like he was introduced in this movie. But or, him a make name the characters... and making it seem like we should know who he is makes it feel like there's a whole part of this story that's missing. I mean, they they, they could they could do it like that where it's just you know, I I mean I mean the way that Darth Vader is introduced, obviously everybody in you know Star Wars in A New Hope knows who Darth Vader is and knows that he's you know. But, you know, within the costuming, the way that Darth Vader is very, you know, Darth Vader is somebody who is crippled somehow, injured somehow. He's in this suit. You know, he's very evil. But we do, you know, we know all we need to know from his first scene. Right. We don't know anything about General Grievous, and he's not charismatic enough in a way well, to. General Grievous is not introduced. He just appears. And I think that's the primary difference. Yeah. And, you know. I mean, one of the things I know, one of the jokes about Star Wars is that pretty much every character who appears on screen, including extras, you know, they have a novel written about them. You know, everybody has. Yeah. So, you know, and a lot of these characters' names come from the expanded universe and all that. And again, that's fine, but, you know, it just feels like. Well, I don't know. Like, you have to do, like, a ton of research just to see the movie. And, but, 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 but here's the thing like, this is almost. On the one hand, I think like this, you know, Lucas wants this to be his Ulysses, but it's not profound enough to deserve the work, I think. Well, no. I mean, that's, I mean, you know, I, I don't know where to go with that. I think it's pretty obvious that George Lucas yeah. is, is not a great author. Uh, you know, I, I, I think that. It's it's hard because I think the General Grievous is is problem is is emblematic of the problems with the with the whole prequel trilogy. Like they have there's too many characters, there's too many named characters. They're they're not introduced, they just sort of appear in the movie, they come in and out, they're not really, you know, you've got how many villains does this act does oh my this God. prequel trilogy have? I mean, you've got Darth Maul, you've got Darth Sidious, you've got Lord Dooku or Count Dooku, you've got General Grievous, now you have Anakin, there's there's the Trade Federation, you've got Django this, Fett. Django Fett, you've got this droid army then you've got the the clone army none of this is really like jiving none of this really makes any sense and yeah you can follow it but it it, it doesn't you know of and of any, and of all of those again darth you know palpatine is good he you know that that's a he's very striking sure but why but nobody else is why does he why do we need him to pretend to be someone else i mean we all know that that Darth Sidious is Emperor Palpatine if you've seen the original trilogy because they look the same. You know, like, we we understand this. We kind of get this. But I think that the movie is playing weird games with 
especially with Palpatine and Darth Sidious yeah. is sort of like never really showing that they're the same person. And I think that that's the wrong instinct. We all know it. So why not just make this? You know, the problem is like the original Star Wars, again, was was a tight movie about uh, 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 these characters. It was about Anakin. It was about Darth Vader. It was about Luke. It was about Leia. It was about Han Solo. These movies, I don't really know what they're about. You know, they're about getting us to this point yeah, in, yeah, yeah. In, in, 20 years later. And, and it doesn't really matter. I think that, you know, and again, the last half of Revenge of the Sith is a pretty good movie. I just think that that it makes the the two and a half other part, you know, the the two and a half other movies that that comprise this prequel trilogy completely meaningless. Yeah, I was gonna say you could probably have an arc taking, you know. We were talking about, do we really need to see, you know, Anakin as a little kid? Do we need to see him in Attack of the Con? I mean, I think you could probably just sh- have a one movie where he's, you know, in his early 20s. You know, he has this, you know, mentor that he's close to in age and that they have a brotherly relationship. You know, he's angsty. He wants, you know, more power and stuff like that. And, he's, you know, you could you could establish all that in the first 20 minutes of the movie and just have the rest of the movie be the second half of this. And you wouldn't miss out on anything, and that would be just an interesting. Okay, that was that was. Now I know how Darth Vader came to be. Well, and there's making certain... it three movies makes it feel more grandiose, but there's no there there. Well, right, and there's three movies because there has to be three movies yeah. because you know the original Star Wars is, is retroactively um, uh, Episode Four. You know, and and I think that's right. I think that. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to go down a road of fixing these movies, but I think in a way we have to because it really, it really became clear to me that you know George Lucas's instincts were all wrong here, and the reason why a large part of Revenge of the Sith and a reason why a lot of the rest of this feels like bad fan fiction is because he has a desire or he has a sort of a, a need to to explain. Every single thing from the original trilogy and how those characters got there and where they came from and how this links up. And it doesn't matter. Part of the beauty of the original trilogy was that there was all this intergalactic stuff going on in the background and the sidelines. We knew as much as we needed to know. It was there for flavor. It was there for yeah. backstory. It didn't really matter. You know, we don't know who Grand Tarkin is. We, you know, we don't know who, um, um, uh, you know, all of these other characters. Who is the Rebel Alliance? Who we are, don't even know who the these- Empire is. Right, we don't know who the emperor is. We don't know anything. We, we, it doesn't matter, and that's why it's so good because we just know as much as we need to know. We know it's good. We, yeah. we know there's good people. We know there's evil people, and that's all we need to know. And then we get these characters, and they're all sort of flitting around on the sidelines of this big intergalactic war. And I think that in the same way, that approach could have worked for the prequel trilogy if you had it be a tight, you know, three uh, uh, movie arc about Anakin and Obi Wan and his. You know, and Anakin's uh, a pool with with a Chancellor Palpatine, then Emperor Palpatine, and have the movie actually center around those characters. Maybe have Yoda in it, and maybe have a couple others, and have all this sort of like you know the Empire is this and the you know it doesn't really matter. Just have all that stuff going on yeah. in the background in the same way that that stuff was going on in the background in the original trilogy. And I think it would have been a much these would have been much better movies, I think. I mean, this almost reminds me of, like, that trend that was, like, with Wicked and stuff like that, where it's like, here we have a simple fairy tale, and let's make it edgy by explaining everything and making it realistic, and in a way which just comes, like, a little much. Like, I always thought Wicked was a little much. I found it annoying. Like, yeah. I find I find the prequel trilogies annoying in the same exact way because it's just, you know, well, it's, it's like- missing the point by making it boring. And, you know, it's – yeah, it is. And it's like these are the answers. This is what actually happened. I mean it makes everybody seem uh, stupid really. Everything you know? seems smaller, you know. The the iconicness of the original trilogy is lost, you know. 
Palpatine, and- the Emperor in Return of the Jedi is this elemental force of evil. He is just a, he is a presence. He is just a pure spirit in a way. And this is just saying, well, he's Hitler and here's how, it, you know, it came to power. And it's like, that's interesting when you're studying Hitler, but it's not interesting when you're studying, you know, an elemental evil and it's in a fairy space fairy tale. Well, and I think a perfect example of that is is how the Sith are used in these movies because what the fuck I, are Sith? Exactly, that's my question. What are they? Like, there's the movie doesn't seem to have any idea about what exactly they are, what they want. They're they're dark Jedi, but there's only ever two of them you know, for whatever it's... reason, and they want to take over the galaxy because because x like nobody really has an answer for that what i'm finding funny is i I, you know this is actually this experience is making me appreciate the game knights of the old republic a lot more because that actually handles a lot of the lore very well um and in that game the sith are basically just the jedi but evil you know and they are organized they have sith you know colleges basically where they're you know and they're trained you know they're essentially training in the force but allowing them to use the you know, the dark side. And, you know, there is an apprentice-master relationship. And that that all makes sense. You know, it makes sense why they're a threat. It makes, you know, it, here it makes no... It's like, so there's two people in the galaxy that are evil at any time, and they're going to affect everything, like... And was Chancellor Palpatine, uh, like, trained as a Jedi? I mean, and this... The- yeah, that's that's the... I mean, again, they... they it, it makes sense if you see the Sith and Jedi as two people who are studying the – two groups that are studying the Force. Right. And just have different interpretations of it. You know, the Jedi feel that, you know, tapping into your anger, tapping into, you know, your stronger and darker emotions, you know, leads to violence, leads to hatred, leads to war, you know, and suffering. And therefore, one must master one's emotion. The Sith believe that, you know, no, anger and, you know, anger and passion and emotion, that's where you get your strength from. That's where you, you know, truly get connected to the Force and to others. And, you know, you have the right to power over people that you can, you know, show strength, you know, basic Nietzschean themes, you know. Ver- you know. Sure. But, you know, this, it doesn't, you know, th- you can't get that from this movie, though. Like no, that, that, no. that, uh, Like, that interpretation makes a lot of sense and is actually kind of useful for understanding. And frankly, it makes, the, it makes Anakin's turning make more sense because he's, he's re- you know, he's feeling that, you know, he's, He's limited by the Jedi's teachings, you know, and the Sith are giving him more, you know, a grander world. But that it's so vague as to what the difference is here and why he's turning and what turning and, means. You know, but that's but that's you know that's an interesting criticism of it, and I don't disagree with you. But I but contrast that with how the Jedi are used in the original trilogy. We actually don't know that much yeah. about the Jedi in the original trilogy. You know, Obi Wan is sort of saying about what generally what the Force is, who the Jedi are. You know, but we don't really get a good explanation. We don't know anything about a Jedi Council. We don't know anything about you know midichlorians or this relationship yeah. between apprentice and master you know we don't have any of that backstory and it's fine we don't care it's you know and i think the movie is missing that about the sith i think that you know i i think i don't know if part of the problem i think with it is that you know as i understand it george lucas did not write these three movies uh, uh, uh at the same time and i think that going into this you yeah. know knowing that he was going to make a trilogy. I think it would have, yeah. it, you know, it really would have behooved him to sit down and at least come up with 
uh, uh, detailed outlines about, you know, where the story was going. I mean, like a novel. I mean, where, you know, what the first episode is going to do this. The second episode is going to do this. The third movie is going to do this. And it doesn't seem like that happened. You yeah, know, it seems it seems like he has this timeline of events, but he doesn't know where to and he just kind of like, all right, movie, movie, movie. And, you know, but he doesn't, well, you know, pick the. And I think more than that, it, it, it feels like he sat down to write Attack of the Clones or sat down to write Revenge of the Sith and kind of went, oh, right, I have to put the Sith in here. You know, where the, you know, the Phantom Menace would have been a much stronger movie if it would have been about, you know, the Jedi discovering Anakin and, you know, Chancellor Palpatine becoming to power or something like that. And they had some sort of Sith stuff in there generally. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that would have been a much stronger movie, you know, and, and then the second one is about whatever. And the third one is about the, the, the rise of Darth Vader, you know, and I think it, it but it just, it doesn't work. I mean, the, the, the movies seem like they're constructed to, I don't know who these movies are made yeah. for because if you want the backstory, this is not satisfying. If you yeah. just want an, entertain, an entertaining Star Wars movie, these movies are not entertaining. So I don't know who these movies are made for, really. Like I said, George Lucas, it's 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 he he was able to make his own baby. I bet he watches them every day. Does he? I don't know. I, uh, uh, I feel like he's probably got better things to do with his time, like <laughs> like roll around in his money. Yeah. Well, and I think that, you know, part of the problem with, I think, Revenge of the Sith, too, is that, the you know, it, it makes everything has to happen in a certain way because the prequel trilogies are prequels. Yeah. And we know that Yoda and, and Obi-Wan go off and do that, you know, and some of it works. I think that, you know... And that's kind of the aggravating thing about Revenge of the Sith is that on the one hand, it does make events seem kind of preordained, but it does kind of do interesting things with setup. I like, for example, I really like how Obi-Wan ends up on Tatooine. You know, I, 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 I was impressed by that through line where yeah. Leia gets handed off to the, to Organa, you know, the, the Senator, and then they decide to send Luke off to Tatooine to live with the characters, you know, uh, uh, his yeah. uncle Owen that was introduced in, in attack of the clones. And, and, and then Obi-Wan and Yoda says, okay, you go and, and watch over Luke. I actually yeah. like that. I think that works really well. And it explains why Obi-Wan is on Tatooine in the original movie. But, there are other things about it that don't work. You know, the the Yoda and Palpatine battle, I think, feels very flat. We know that Yoda has to lose and he has to go off to be exiled. And and so I just I don't get why Yoda would lose to Palpatine. It doesn't feel like Palpatine is, yeah. is strong enough to defeat Yoda. You know, there's some elements where tragedy, that sense of preordained is, you know, one of the engines of tragedy in a lot of ways you know in classical greek tragedy everybody knows what's going to happen to oedipus at the end and you know it, it's it's a car crash you know and the story of anakin is a car crash to that degree where we know that he's eventually going to lose everything and become darth vader and you know just every any potential for good is going to be snuffed out for a very long time right you know? right and so you know every time you know you you and you see these moments like the time when he's talking to Yoda and Yoda saying, you know, let go of, you know, and stuff. And we know that Anakin's not going to take the lesson or we know that Anakin, you know, when he's has the choice between Mace Windu and, you know, Palpatine, you know, we know he's going to save Palpatine. And that's very, you know, and, and it works in those scenes. Yeah. But then, you know, you're right. The Yoda bits don't seem to add to this. And so it just feels like we're just waiting, you know. 
And it, and it feels like Yoda, again, I think, you know, Yoda has shown to be so powerful in these movies. And, you know, as, uh, you know aside from the lightsaber stuff with Yoda, which I feel is is ridiculous. I, I mean, again, yeah, it's I mean, like they only know one way to show a character is badass. Right. And I kind of, I mean, I, I mentioned some of this in attack of the clones, but I think that in this movie as well, it really would have worked better if Yoda and emperor Palpatine had just had a force battle and, yeah. and, and the two of them were just standing there and they were, you know, things were coming down and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, then you get Yoda and you get emperor Palpatine using lightsabers. And frankly, it, it you know, emperor Palpatine, it looks ridiculous. I was going to say and, count Dooku, especially looks ridiculous because you know, Well, Christopher Lee is like a 70-year-old man. Yeah, and and that's the thing. I can picture him having a, you know, having a force battle, having a, you know, the Palpatine scene in Return of the Jedi. He is a terrifying enemy, and all he does is kind of stretch out his hands and shoot lightning and cackle. Right. And, you know, he's terrifying because he's, he's, he's psychologically formidable because he has, you know, let's face it, very strong magic. You right. know, we, we aren't scared of Palpatine because he's physically, you know, going to destroy us. I mean, the fact that here is a frail old man who can't hack his way with a lightsaber and yet is one of the most powerful beings in the galaxy. I mean, that's 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 much more effective, I would say, than, you know, oh, well, he's really athletic secretly. Exactly. He's using the force. It's, it's silly. And I'm know? sure that there's a lot of, you know, you could have lied it by saying, oh, well, they're using the force to, to, to you know, make themselves stronger or whatever. And I guess that could be true, but it just feels like the, it feels like the least interesting version of that fight. And, and, and you know, it, it's, this is a general, th- this is a general theme that the trilogy misses is that, you know, with limit, you know, limitations make, things more creative and interesting you know the force can do anything you can fly you can you know throw you know you can do all that it's you know it's magic without limits and so whenever you you do something i I don't know i mean it it doesn't feel like i there's no opportunity to feel surprised by it i don't feel surprised by anything the force does in this these movies yeah i think so you know i think a perfect example of that is is when the jedi go to arrest palpatine and you've got uh, mace windu you know samuel l jackson like i think three or four other jedi that are just kind of you know background yeah and i I was really struck by the fact that that scene you know it doesn't make palpatine look strong it makes the jedi look weak yeah and i think that that's really a problem you know i think that Palpatine kills two or three of the Jedi, except for Mace Windu, very, very quickly, and yeah. it, it makes the Jedi seem like they don't know what they're doing. It makes them seem incompetent, it may, you know. And I think that, that it's not that we have been shown that Palpatine, you know, I don't know. There, there would have been a way to to show Palpatine being powerful. I don't know how you could do it, but it just doesn't come across well, in that scene. I would say the scene where you know. When Mace Windu has Palpatine at, you know, lightsaber point and he's, you know, begging for his life and, you know, Anakin, help me, I'm a weak old man, you know, and he gets Anakin to stop Mace. Like, that's the most effective part because he's not, again, he's not using his physical strength and he's, you know, he's using his, you know, ability to, you know, seduce, seduce Anakin into doing the absolute wrong thing. Um, and something that, you know, one of the most horrible things he's ever done is the, you know, that's where Palpatine's power comes from. Right, exactly. And I think that, that him killing those Jedi so easily just makes it, it, again, it's the least interesting version of that fight. And, and it's the least interesting version of this movie. Well, yeah, there are, I mean, there were a lot of subtle, there were a lot of like subtleties that the movie totally missed that just, I don't know, like the, like what? Well, 
this whole thing at the end where suddenly they can talk to Qui-Gon and, you know, like there, there were some, oh, yeah. there were some parallel they were trying to set up where, you know, the dark side was searching for this method to immortality and the Jedi had it all along, you know, that, w- that is something that the movie should have picked up. Yeah. And that yeah. would have suddenly made the, that would have made the story a lot stronger. It would have made the element of tragedy much stronger. You know, it would have, have some emotional resonance, but it just misses that. Well, yeah, I mean, we definitely need to talk about, about Anakin and Darth Vader and, and Padme and how that all links together. But I think you're right because, you know, obviously, I think what they're doing is the, the, the Force Ghost idea from, from yeah. uh, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. And that's fine. I mean, I think that works. And I think that, you know, you don't need to see Qui-Gon to really make that connection. I think that's actually the movie being having a little bit of restraint yeah. and, 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 and kind of allowing the audience to to come to a conclusion without having it be force-fed yeah. to them. And I actually think that that works pretty well. The The problem with it is that, you know, it, it makes it makes Darth Vader seem ridiculous. And, yeah. well, and part, you know, again, I mean, this, this really goes into the whole, you know, this is how things have to happen because we know things have happened like this. But the scene where Palpatine, you know, names Anakin Darth Vader... I mean, we, when we watched the movie, I made a joke. I was like, does he just have a list of names for, for his Sith apprentices and, like, Darth Vader was the next one? I mean, where, do, where does that come from? And, and you know, it, I don't necessarily need it to be explained, but it needs to be better than that. Yeah. Like, I don't need a scene where, you know, I, I don't need a scene to explain why the, his name is Vader, but it needs to be a little bit, you know, clearer than that. Um yeah, it, 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 it's even if he would just, I'm reading from the ancient book of the Sith, and the next Sith will be, va- like, that's fine. Right, that's all it needs to be, but it just seems like it comes out of thin air. It's like, I well, you know, I just watched this movie called Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, and there was a character in it called Darth Vader, so you're going to be called Darth Vader now. Like, I mean, I'm remembering the joke from Spaceballs where they watched the copy of the movie to find out what to do next, but yeah, I mean... <laughs> it kind of feels like that, that. A lot of these movies feel like that. Yeah, it does kind of feel like that. I mean, but it, it's infuriating because I really liked the scene where they're at that opera concert thing at, when he's telling the story of Dark Plagueis and, you know, at the beginning. That's a really good scene because, number one, they don't overdo the effects. They don't overdo the spectacle. We don't right. have a 10-minute scene where we're seeing the performance. Right. It's just kind of in the background and it's weird enough. Um, and, you know, it really just hinges on the acting, frankly, in that scene. Well, and, and I think that that's, It's you know, a very well, I mean, when, when who play, what's the name of the pal, guy who plays Palpatine? I have no idea. Well, when Why he, would you think I would know Because that? he's a, I thought he was a real, but you know, when he's actually acting, he does a good job. And I mean, and you said about letting the, you know, you were take the own conclusion. Like, it's very obvious it's in, in that scene that, you know, Palpatine was that apprentice and he did kill right, you know right but you know it doesn't say that and again it makes it more effective and creepy it gives the sense of we are we as the audience who know that this is Darth you know that this is Darth Sidious who knows that this is the bad guy know exactly where this story is going and you know we see Anakin taking the exact wrong lesson from it you know it's kind of again one of those horror movie you know don't open that door he's opening the door and that's why it's so aggravating yeah. because I think that that you know, George Lucas, again, when he has some restraint and when he is, he, he forces himself to make a focused story about one particular character's yeah. journey, it's pretty good. And I think that, 
you know, all of the scenes between Anakin and Palpatine in this movie yeah. are, are, are are pretty good. The one I mean, where he finds out he's a Sith Lord is excellent. Like, and that's why I said, you know, and especially I think, you know, when I said last week that I, I thought that that um, uh, what what is his name? The, Hayden Christensen that that plays Anakin, you know, was actually giving one of the better performances in the movie. Yeah. And I know that that's a kind of a that's a weird it's a weird opinion because a lot of people don't think that he gives a very good performance but i do think that he actually is only he's he's one of the only actors in attack of the clones that feels like he's actually acting he's a person he's not like looking at the wall and and reciting lines you know so when those scenes happen in revenge of the sith and the two actors are playing off each other and again it's just two actors in a room and there's not a lot of stuff going on. It works really well. I can I can buy the relationship. I just wish yeah. that the movie had made that relationship happen earlier. And it, you know the I uh, uh, I would say I do because I don't buy the relationship between Obi Wan and uh, Anakin. No, and I think a large part of why you don't, and I don't really buy it either, because I think yeah. a large part of why you don't buy it is well, number one, because the, the previous movies haven't given us enough to to establish that they weren't sure what their relationship was and you know they have to settle on brothers you know but it doesn't work because they haven't done that yeah and obi-wan and i mean frankly hayden christensen and why am i having such a trouble remembering you and mcgregor um they don't have very good chemistry no. together, and so they don't feel like they really like each other we're supposed to take their bantery as banter as to you know two brothers bickering you know but it doesn't come off as that well you know and that's i think that's actually you know that makes something click for me which is that you know i think one of the reasons why the palpatine and anakin scenes work so well is because you've got two actors that are that are really doing a good job with the material that they're given and part of the problem with the obi-wan and anakin relationship is that ewan mcgregor and hayden christensen for whatever reason don't have enough chemistry you know maybe ewan mcgregor was just not interested i have no idea but they they're they're not able to elevate the, the dialogue, yeah. and so when you're left with with the dialogue written by George Lucas having to establish relationships between characters, it's not enough. But you know that's the the thing in the the dialogue between Palpatine and Anakin, particularly in this movie, is that of seduction to evil. It's it's very well done. It's very subtly done, and all of that, and it has a purpose. And you know, it gives it, it there the material. There is a lot. You know, most of Anakin's and Obi-Wan's relationship is conveyed in action sequences, which are kind of bad. And, you know, the characterization in them, again, they, you know, so it is limited to this banter, which we don't buy and isn't very good. And so, you know, we don't have any scenes of the two, you know, there is no scene where, there is no quiet scene where Anakin is confiding in Obi-Wan or Obi-Wan is confiding in Anakin. Right. You know, nothing, if there had been scenes between the two of them paralleling the scenes between Palpatine and Anakin, that, you know, that would, again, that would have been stronger. That would have made it feel an even choice. I mean, one of the things that a lot of people say about this movie is like Palpatine is the only person who's really been nice to Anakin, you know? That's he's, true. He's yeah. the only person who, you know, flatters his abilities and, you know, recognizes his talents, you know, which yes, he's know, using he's using him, but, you know, the Jedi aren't, you know, if they're the good guys, they aren't, you know, nice guys. Yeah, and I don't know, and part I think part of the problem with that is that I don't know why everyone is so dismissive of Anakin. Like the only reason why all the Jedi, yeah. you know, Mace Windu and everybody, especially Mace Windu, are so dismissive of Anakin is because Anakin is going to become Darth Vader. Like that—that yeah. that seems to be the only interpretation of it. Because otherwise, I don't know why they would be so dismissive of him. And I mean, it makes—and frankly, that doesn't it. 
there is a degree to which the story wants to be, you know, Anakin being the golden boy, the ultimate Jedi, you know, uh, you know, he is the hope of everybody, you know, he, he needs to be the perfect Jedi. So that way his fall is even, is even harder. You know, if he's out, he's practically outcast from the Jedi order. He's, you know, in the back, no one wants him, seems to want him around. No one seems to care. He's not really getting good assignments. So, you know, why wouldn't he leave for somebody who's trusting him to get shit done? Yeah, I mean, he gets very angry yeah. that they won't give him the title of master. And it's, but again, I think it's, it's, you know, George Lucas can only take it so far because he's, he's doing a good job of, of establishing this movie as being about Anakin and Anakin's journey to, to, to Darth Vader. But, but at the same time, uh, the, the motivations of a lot of the other characters are frankly not there and they don't make any sense because there are no characters there to have motivations. You know, I, I think that, that you know, if I asked you who is Mace Windu, I don't know that you would have a good yeah. answer. Like, I have no idea what his personality is like. I don't know what his backstory is. You know, I, I don't know. I have no idea. Like, who? who what is Obi-Wan? I don't know. Yeah. Like, there's no... What is there's Yoda? No well, Yoda, I think... Yoda has a vague character or is he just a language tick? I think that... that in the, I think in these movies, Yoda does have a little bit more of a personality than the rest of them, but only because the personality was was established already yeah. in the earlier movies. You know, he's mysteriously wise, and I think that works fine. You know, we, we don't need anything else from Yoda besides that. Yeah, there is a degree to which this is, you know, kind of – this is a space version of, you know – a, a, a strange martial arts temple, you know, right. in, a, in a in a kung fu movie, you know, and he is the wise master, you know. That, so yeah, um, and that but that works, and that does work from a because he is a holdover from a series of movies which did have more iconic characters, and so the iconism works on him. Yeah, I think so. What what we haven't really talked about about Anakin specifically though, and his relationship with with Padme, and why he becomes Darth Vader. And I don't know how I feel about it, and I think I need to talk it through because, because I I I, I just want to say I find it so boring I don't care like so I but but you know it's but it's really important yeah though. yeah I was gonna I say mean, because it's supposed to see here's okay here's yeah. my question is this supposed to be a grand romance tragic you know Romeo and Juliet story that's bigger than everything I I think so but it doesn't come off as that and well. I think that George Lucas believes that he's creating a great love story and he's not. I mean, the dialogue with Anakin and Padme is frankly ridiculous. Uh, It's, it's just, it's the, the, the Pattis sort of romantic trope dialogue. Hold me like we do did on Naboo when we had no war, no politics. Anakin, you're breaking my heart. It's terrible. It's terrible. I mean, there's, there's no, other way to describe that dialogue. Um, and, and frankly, I think it's a shame that Padme goes from being a kick-ass, you know, yeah. a, a queen who's who's taking action and doing things. In this third movie, The only part only... I liked her was when she's like, all right, fuck it. I'm pregnant and about to drop, but I'm getting in the ship, and I'm finding my fucking husband, and I'm getting him, and I'm taking him out of this. That's the only part I liked her in, because she actually does something. Well, there's a... You know what it, you know what it really is, is... Again, I think that there would have been a much more interesting way to go with this is that, you know, Anakin is such a strong force user. I mean, I'm creating my own head cannon here, yeah. so excuse me for a minute. But, you know, Padme, her journey in these movies seems to go from being a very, very self-reliant, you know, strong female character 
or just a strong character in general. I think that, you know, but I think I, I want to bring up the female stuff only because Star Wars well. doesn't really do a good job with female characters. And throughout the, the prequel trilogy, she becomes meeker and meeker to the degree in Revenge of the Sith, where basically her only purpose in this movie is to flit around in flowing dresses and die in childbirth. And die in childbirth. <laughs> I mean, there's she is she is literally an object in this movie. There is nothing about her that could not be accomplished she, in any other way. She's like a Victorian, you know, character. You know, it, she feels like a Victorian fainting character. You know, right. But but what I'm thinking is that, mm. you know, it would have been really interesting if the movie had sort of, you know, subtly established that Anakin was subconsciously using the dark side of the force to to like sort of brainwash her yeah. into marrying him. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that would have been another way to link the, the the two halves of his personality or whatever with Anakin and Darth Vader, but that doesn't seem to happen. You know, George Lucas seems to be taking the least the least interesting, you know, interpretation of this turn of events, which is that, you know, Anakin and Padme really were in love. Padme really was pregnant. And, you know, Anakin really didn't want her to die in childbirth because he was having these mysterious visions that seemed to come out of nowhere and were not mentioned in either of the previous movies. And goes to the dark side to save his wife. And in the process of doing this, he actually kills her. And in the end, he becomes Darth Vader. That's not that interesting, and it yeah. makes it, it retroactively makes Darth Vader seem very, very small. You know, I mean, one of the things that I mean in Phantom Menace, you know, she's a young teenager and he's a kid. And I mean, she's at that; she seems to be at that, you know, that age when you're, you know, you are still the kind of a kid yourself, but she does have a lot of, you know, responsibilities. And she's meeting a, you know, she meets this younger kid who half reminds her of her own childhood. You know, and Jake Lloyd is cute in that movie. Let's say. You know, when she first sees him in Attack of the Clones, the first thing she says, you know, oh, my God, I still see the little kid that I saw on Tatooine. You right. Know? She talks, you know, several times about how, you know, so naturally this is just, you know, she views him almost like a little cousin in a way. You know, somebody that, you know, yeah, she does, you know, love very much and, you know, is, is you know, likes being around and feels safe around, but in a familial way, not in a romantic way. And he has this crush on her because, you know, he was eight and she was, you know, 14 and beautiful. So, and, you know, just kind of, you know, kept with him. Um, and yeah, he, do- you know, the fact that she begins to reciprocate those feelings is out of nowhere. Right, right. And I, I think that it would have been stronger again if, if, if yeah. Anakin had been controlling her a little bit. You, you know, know, and and maybe he is. I don't know. I don't think that the movie, uh, you know, I don't think the movie makes that clear either way. But but at the end of the day, it does make the character of Darth Vader seem seem kind of uh, kind of ridiculous in a way, and it's it's very very. I don't know. On the one hand, these movies are explaining things that don't need to be explained. On the other hand, they're very reliant on information that is found in other material, like the Clone yeah. Wars TV show. On <laughs> the on the other hand, they're 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 shackled by their their necessity to get the characters in a certain place for the next set of movies. And so, you know, Anakin has to become Darth Vader because that's what he does. And I think that if you look at the entire arc of the character over these six movies, you know, Anakin is supposed to be the chosen one who's going to bring balance to the Force. He whatever gets that means. whatever that means, it doesn't really matter. Uh, he he gets seduced by Emperor Palpatine to become Darth Vader, and then he has this other journey throughout the other you know the other three movies where eventually his son turns him back to the light side of the Force, and he destroys it, and he brings balance back to the Force. Right? That sounds fine, but but the reality of how we get there over this <laughs> over especially over the prequel trilogy is such a mess, 
And, you know, I, I think that, that retroactively looking at Darth Vader and knowing that Anakin Skywalker is in there makes him seem kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Well, it, it, you know, similar enough to, you know, well, we said this about Boba Fett, how we, you know, he's this, we do, you know, and then we, we see he's just a little bratty kid, you know, it, it, it takes the, we, this movie is about showing us the zipper on the monsters. Yeah, yeah, in a real way. And, you know, part, part of what's so aggravating, I think, about it, too, is that a lot of the, um, a lot of the set direction in this movie is actually really good. I like the way that, the, especially in Revenge of the Sith, you know, a lot of the ship designs, a lot of the interior ship things, a lot of the uniforms, like, are sort of starting to hearken into the next set of movies, especially, you know, Senator Organa's ship, which is all white, which is obviously yeah. very similar to the ship from the beginning of, of the original Star Wars. Or maybe even the same ship. Uh, I don't think it's supposed to be because I think the outside of it is very different. Well, you know, it could be, you know, they probably have the same ship designer on staff. Yeah, but I mean, you know, regardless, my point is that the movie does a really good job of establishing a a continuity of, of design. Which is really, really strong, and I think that you know whatever we want to say about the 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 story structure of these prequel movies, I think that the dialogue you know there's a lot of um um creative choices in these prequel movies that that are frankly just bizarre yeah um but i I think that you know the special effects are what they are, but I think a lot of the set direction, I think a lot of the design of a lot of this stuff is actually really good. It looks cool. I it, mean, we were yeah. Talking, you know, I whatever we said about General Grievous as a design, he looks cool. If I were playing a video game and that were a boss, I'd be excited to fight it. You know, that's yeah. I think that that you know the Jedi Temple looks exactly how I want the Jedi Temple to look. I think that the capital the capital planet of of the Republic yeah. looks exactly how I'd I would want that to look. It looks better than the other two movies. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, and I think, too, there, you know, one of the things about CGI, of course, and, you know, you just sort of talked about this, I think, a couple episodes ago, maybe in The Phantom Menace, where, you know, you kind of find CGI very distracting because it's very shiny. Yeah. And that's part of the problem, I think, with this early, early, earlier versions of CGI where they couldn't make dirty looking CGI. I mean, if you look at what, what they're able to do with CGI in, in 2015. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, it's hard to tell a lot of the times now. I think that CGI is getting to that point where they know how to use it. And, and you know, the, the Phantom Menace and I think, you know, all three movies, generally the, the CGI just looks a little too cartoonish, looks a little too plastic. But you can see a progression, you know. The, the yeah, Phantom, this is from the, the Phantom Menace in ter- that term. Well, yeah, because fan- from the Phantom Menace to Revenge of the Sith was six years. They had a lot of you know working knowledge, a lot of man hours that were were accomplishing you know learning on the job and learning how to do things. And you know, and to a large degree, I think that that you know uh, Industrial Light and Magic, I assume, worked on these movies mm-hmm. uh, or whoever did the special effects. Um, you know, were obviously learning as they went, and they invented a lot of new things. Yeah, technology got better, processing power in six years got better enough that they I mean absolutely one of the the most notable part is those battle droids look a lot you know sharper in this movie than they did in Phantom Menace I mean you you can that that was what the you know the most obvious because it's supposed to be the same you know basic thing they look I mean, more even, real here yeah I mean even Jar Jar looks better in this movie you know and he's not in the movie very much he doesn't I even have any dialogue th- but thank god <laughs> well you know George Lucas learned his lesson there but but you so know he learned one lesson in this entire project. <laughs> Good for him. Learn one thing every decade. That's George. But I think you know at the end of the day, it, 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 these movies they're in search of what I don't know. I, I think that that if these did not exist, I would not be upset. 
You know, I, yeah. I don't I don't know what I really got out of seeing these. I yeah, don't think was, that they what, what was the point? The point was making money. I mean that, you know, it, it's just so aggravating because it's such a missed opportunity, you know, and I think that that I'll be very curious to see what The Force Awakens is like. You know, we'll talk about it next week and that will be the last episode of this season of Trek About Presents, but you know, I don't know what to expect. I really have no idea. And yeah. I think that that that's kind of exciting in a way because you know, as someone who's not really a Star Wars fan, you're not really a Star Wars fan, um, at least not a Star Wars fan like, you know, it's generally understood that Star Wars fans are like. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'll, I'll be very interested to see someone else's interpretation of this. And, you know, whatever, whatever else you can say about J.J. Abrams, I think that he does know how to make entertaining movies. And it'll be nice to see the original characters again. It will be nice to kind of revisit this world and see a different interpretation of these events in this world, I think. Yeah. Because George Lucas, obviously his interpretation of this is just not good. (laughs) I want to talk about three PO and ARP two D two briefly. Okay. Because specifically the fact that at the end of this whole experience, three PO gets memory wiped and it's treated as a da 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 moment. Yes. I actually, you know, I, I, I don't want to interrupt you, but but uh, uh, I did think something about that, which is that, um, you know, I kind of we talked a little bit about how weird it is that everyone kind of treats droids as slaves and yeah. what's going on here. This is a perfect opportunity to explain why everyone treats droids like this because of this whole war. Yeah. And it's, it's just completely elided. Yeah. Anyway, it's, you know, <laughs> we I mean, we could we could make a whole podcast on missed opportunities with the prequel trilogy. But yeah. Missed opportunities by Eric and Richard, only forty nine ninety five. I mean, yeah, it's disturbing, but what else is there really? You to know, say about I it? don't know. It's just, it's C three PO. It's thinking seriously about the wrong things because that's something that was very fucked up to me, and it's treated like a you know. C three PO needs to have his memory wiped because, of course, he can't remember any of this because he doesn't talk about any of this. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and that's you know again. If this were, I guess this is all because if he, you know, if you don't wipe his memory in in Star Wars, uh, you know, in the original Star Wars, C three C three P, I was going, oh, you're Luke Skywalker. Oh, I knew your father. He's Darth Vader. Yeah, like you know. So, what? Where else are you going to go with that? I mean, that's part of the problem with putting C three C three P O in this movie trilogy. It, yeah, why are they here? I mean, like, and, you, you know, it just it it it. it it's they were there because they needed Darth Vader to create C-3PO because reasons. It's so stupid, though. I well, mean, everything like, is stupid about these. Eric, this was a very – these watching these were terrible. Yeah, I mean, how how do you feel about this after you've seen these? I mean, I know you don't like them, but – You know, in it – if 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 I may talk about my you know experience as a critic and podcaster, like yes, this was a very good thing that we did. I think we got a lot out of this. I think I learned a lot about what I like and don't like in terms of a human being who appreciates movies. I feel like this exercise is a waste of my time because I do didn't like these. You know, this yeah. was you know uh, we we uh, let's admit it. We watched when we watched. Uh, Revenge of the Sith last night. We were making fun of half of it, you know. We oh, were yeah. just talking over it. I mean, several times we just turned to each other. We're like, should we be taking this more seriously? Like, we feel like we should, but 
This is bullshit. Like this was the, these were six hours, seven hours of bullshit. I will say though that the second half of the movie we talked a lot less. Yes, like I think that the last, the, you know, the second half of this movie does work on a fundamental level. There were level. scenes in this movie that came from a much better movie, and yeah, yeah, I'm sad that that movie wasn't made. Yeah. And, you know, you, you could talk about the origins of Darth Vader. You could talk about how he actually, you know, gets into that suit, all these kind of things. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. He just, you know, all of the characters need to get to where they were in the original trilogy. And I guess this movie is a success because it gets them there. But there's also an air, uh, an air of inevitability about it. You know, I mean, when we were watching the movie, I turned to Richard and I was like, so I guess Obi-Wan and Yoda just gave up because they had yeah. to give up because that's where they were at the, in, in the beginning of the original Star Wars. <laughs> like, they're like, all right, then guess we're done. Can't do anything about it. Like, you know, it. and there's all this whole thing about the Jedi Temple and Obi-Wan and Yoda going to it to turn off the, the trap. Uh, to to lure the other Jedi there that are still alive. And so, like, that's an open question at the end of it. Like, were there actually Jedi that were still alive? I guess not. I was going to say probably. Yeah, but they're probably in the expanded universe, dude. Well, where were they in the events of the original trilogy, Richard? I don't know, Eric. I'm not George Lucas. Maybe that's what will be dealt with in Episode Seven. Maybe. You know, now that the Empire is gone, the Jedi are coming out of hiding. Ooh, and there's like they're, – they're, Luke wants to, you know, start a new Jediism and like the other Jedi are like, no, we've got to do things the old way. And Luke's like, what the fuck? And then they start battling. That's what I think is going to happen. Okay. That's my hope. Well, I – yeah, I guess. I don't know. Eric, is that your new hope? No. <laughs> are we going to go to New Hope, Pennsylvania to watch it? No. Absolutely not. Um, yeah, I think that, you know, again, I'm with you. I think watching these movies, uh, you know, again, I had not seen them since they were originally released in theaters. Uh, Revenge of the Sith, I had not seen in 10 years, over 10 years. Uh, if I never have to watch these movies again, I will not be upset. I think that, you know, yes, I will still watch Star Wars. I will still watch Empire Strikes Back, you know, Return of the Jedi, maybe, maybe not. (laughs) But, um, will I ever watch the prequel movies again? I don't think so. I, there's, I don't think that there's anything... I don't think that there's anything worthwhile in 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 five and a half of the or three and a half or two and a half of these movies, uh, right? Like the the last half of Revenge yeah. of the Sith. If someone does some sort of fan at it and just makes that like an hour long thing, yeah, I think that's all you need. Like and maybe I don't a think few scenes from else. the I don't know, but yeah, I mean, again, I hadn't seen these movies, and part of me was thinking like, okay, maybe as you know, now that the hype is totally passed, you know, not that you know. There isn't Star Wars hype right now, but I mean, you know, the the dust has settled on these movies. You know, it's ten years later. Maybe they've aged better. You know, but well, well, I wouldn't say the movies aged poorly because there was no, nothing good about them to begin with. Yeah, I, and I think it's interesting because you know, I think there is going to be a lot of of desire right now to reevaluate these movies, and I think that uh, yeah. You know, I, I don't want to give us too much credit, but I, I do think that our kind of opinions of these movies is actually pretty accurate. I think that, you know, <laughs> everyone says The Phantom Menace is the worst one and that is just not the case. Um, and I think that that will become generally understood, you know, that these movies were just huge missed opportunities. Now, if you're a huge Star Wars fan and maybe you like all this kind of backstory stuff and maybe you watched all 18 seasons of the Clone Wars TV show and all, you know. Great. Then why uh, don't you make a fucking podcast? I don't begrudge anybody who loves all of this stuff about the Star Wars universe. I just think that, you know, these movies were on the level of Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. And, you know, if if all of the Star Trek movies had been as bad as these, 
I don't know that, you know, I, I just, I don't know that I would. We be, wouldn't have had the next generation, certainly. If well, no, I don't. Bad. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I think if, if you know, there's a, there's a large argument to be made that, that, you know, Star Trek, the motion picture was certain. I mean, it's not a terrible movie, but it's not good. And, you know, if, if Wrath of Khan had not been as yeah. good as it was, that, that may have been the death of Star Trek. You know, and so in the same way, I think that the only reason why this wasn't the death of Star Wars is because of the goodwill from the original movies. Yeah. And also the fact that George Lucas sold it, because I don't think that if George Lucas had not sold the rights to Star Wars, I don't think we would be getting other Star Wars movies. Well, whether that's a good thing or not, time will tell. Well, we'll find out next week when we talk about Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force, Force Awakens, Awakens, which I guess I'm excited about. So how'd you like The Force Awakens? I fell asleep. <laughs> All right. Well, if you would like to share your thoughts on uh, this episode of the podcast, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of Trek About Presents at trekaboutshow.com. Uh, if you would like to share any thoughts on Star Wars as a whole about these movies, if you think that we were full of shit, if you really agreed with us or not, you know, let us know. We'd like to uh, like to hear from you. But give us a five star review either way. Yes, uh, please do give us a, a positive iTunes review at iTunes. Um, also, uh, if you'd like to follow us on social media, our social media username is Trek About Show, and you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Now and we have another podcast. We also have another podcast, Trek About. We are talking about the third season of Star Trek Deep Space Nine right now. Um, and it's quite good. I start think you should the, listen to it. Start from the beginning with the original series and follow along like we did. Yes, there's only 180 <laughs> episodes of it or something like that, which is hard to believe. But there we are. So, so that means it's about, what, 300, 350 episodes of television we've watched at this point? Um, I guess. I was say estimating because you know, pretty much every episode is two episodes. I think that that's probably a little high, but... Yeah, probably Jesus about that. Christ. Well, yeah, because there's like 730 episodes or something like that of Star Trek, and of course we're not counting the new Star Trek show that's coming out, um, you know, next year, but or the, I guess 2017 technically, but yeah, there's a lot of it. Anyway, anyway, uh, and also we have a Patreon now, so if you would like to support us, if you enjoy our podcasting, please uh, go there and throw us a couple bucks. We would appreciate it. We're going to the movies. If you want to pay for our tickets through Patreon, <laughs> there you go. We would love you. <laughs> We have to go see The Force Awakens, so yeah. That, and it's that like work out thirteen fifty. Well. It is not that much. I know. I'm glad we're not seeing movies in New York anymore. <laughs> All right. Again, and uh, next week, we will wrap up the first season of this uh, new podcast, Trek About Presents, by talking about epi- Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens next week. So uh, look forward to that. <laughs>